0: Welcome to the Movin' Past You Radio Show, a show about identifying, confronting, and embracing the obstacles that block and delay us in walking in our divine purpose. Each week we delve into the complexities and rewards of walking in your purpose. Now here's your host, Juanita Gaynor. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this evening's broadcast. I'm so excited to be with you on this evening. Um, It has just been one, an amazing week, but we have an amazing guest on this evening. And when I say um, God has just been really good about season four, he has connected me with some amazing women. And yes, right now, all of them are girls, but you know, guys, you can come on too but he's connected me with some amazing women with some amazing stories and how each and every young lady is just knocking it out walking in their purpose dealing and just effortlessly moving through life and that's what i'm excited for so the young lady and i say young lady because you know that's what I can do. It's my shop. But, you know, the young lady I have with us on this evening um, is Miss Julie McLean. Um, And we're going to be talking about today, let's talk suicide um, prevention and how a conversation can save a life. And this is an important, important topic I'm going to bring me back to. This topic is very important because we don't talk about it enough. And I've made a conscious effort um, this particular season and this month to have conversations with this. And Julie is going to be, you know, one who is an advocate. She talks about it. She's been about it. So I'm so excited to be able to have her on. Um, so well, let's go ahead and let's talk about Miss Julie. Let's let's see who, who we have. Let me just, let me tell you her bio. Let me tell you her, you know, details. Julie McLean, speaker and TEDx talker, was raised in a small town in New Jersey, And at the age of 16, was ready to take her own life. She has struggled with her mental health from that time on and almost every day since. Then has thought about dying by suicide. Like others, she felt the stigma associated with mental health and mental illness made her an outsider. And with no one to talk to, her struggles continued. In 2019, she reached a breaking point only to have her husband save her life by asking the three most important questions. Are you okay? Do you want to hurt yourself? And do you have a plan? The answers to these questions finally got her the help she needed. And she enrolled in an intensive talk therapy group. Finding out that talking had helped, she realized that she wanted to help others to not be afraid to share how they felt. And that's when Julie decided to start to open, start the convo and make it her mission to end mental health stigma and lower suicide rates. Today, Julie is a mental health and suicide awareness advocate as a suicide prevention speaker, a TEDx speaker, a trainer, and a coach helping organizational leaders get comfortable talking and implementing measures to address suicide prevention in their organizations. Now, before I bring Julie up to the platform, I am going to play a trigger warning because, again, we are very understanding that this can be triggering to someone, and we want to make sure that you have the resources that are necessary to help you go through this conversation.
1: Hello, and welcome to today's discussion on suicide prevention. We want to start by acknowledging that the topic we're about to discuss can be very sensitive and may be triggering for some individuals. We're committed to providing a safe and supportive environment for our listeners, so we want to offer a trigger warning. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, please know that you are not alone, and there is help available. This discussion is intended to provide information and support, but it may bring up difficult emotions for some. During this conversation, we will be talking about strategies for suicide prevention, recognizing warning signs, and seeking help for yourself or others. While we will strive to handle this topic with care and sensitivity, if you find that this discussion becomes too distressing, we encourage you to pause or step away as needed. Remember, it's okay to seek help and reach out to professionals or support networks. You don't have to face this alone. If you or someone you know is in immediate crisis, please call your local emergency number or a suicide prevention hotline. In the United States, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK, that's 1-800-273-8255. Thank you for joining us today. Let's begin our discussion with the utmost compassion and understanding for one another.
0: And with that, I am going to bring up Miss Julie McLean. Hi, Julie. Hi, Juanita. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing really well. How are you today? I am doing very, very well. Um, like I said, I'm so excited to have you on board because, you know, in our one-on-one and our talking about it, I just not only loved your um, passion, but your compassion. As someone who had walked through it, um, you really just impressed upon me um, the need to have the conversation. So I know I read some part, you know, in your bio and things like that, but I would like for you to um, lead us into that initial step on your journey to being what you are today? The
2: beginning step of my journey started back when I was in a child, um, coming from a slightly abusive household. And that first realization that I did not want to be on this earth any longer because I didn't want to have to deal with the pain that was associated with what I was going through. Um, But for me, I was fortunate that I had this sudden realization that if I leave this world, what's going to happen to my family, and specifically my mom and my sister? And that carried on throughout the years. Um, It was not my last attempt to take my own life. Uh, As a matter of fact, my son was three the next time I tried to take my own life. And realizing that what's going to happen to my son if I'm not here was a huge realization for me. But I think the crux of my journey has all come down to the last four years when in 2019 my husband came home. I was crying hysterically and I told him I was going to leave. And he did not like that answer because we had a great marriage and have had a great marriage for over thirty almost thirty years. So it's it's been a lot. And that's when he asked me those all important questions. The first one was, are you okay? He knew I wasn't, but he asked the question anyway and all I could do was shake my head no. And then the second question was, Do you want to hurt yourself? He knew that I struggled with my mental health. So that was a question that was next commonly to come in line. And I think the one that surprised me the most was, do you have a plan? Because I most certainly did. I had been planning for weeks. And for him to ask that question, it really was kind of really up front in my face saying, yes, this is really what I want to do. But from there, he never left my side after that. He never left me alone. I wasn't even allowed to go to the bathroom by myself. Uh, He kept a close eye on me. And the following day, I got the help that I needed and was put into intensive therapy. And those first three days in my therapy, I hung my head down. I had my bangs covering my eyes. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't look at anybody. I just stayed by myself. I was very isolated. Until I realized around the third day that all these people in this room are going through something very similar that I've just gone through and have been going through. And they're freely talking about it because this was a safe place. And that's when I started opening up and realizing that as I'm talking, I'm actually feeling better because people are understanding what I'm trying to say. And if they didn't understand, they asked questions, they never passed judgment. And that's what started it all, realizing that having the ability to ask questions without passing judgment and talking to people without that judgment made me realize that the stigma that's associated with mental health and mental illness is huge. And I have a little bit of a different take on this as well. Because, yes, I am a suicide survivor, but I also have a family member who died by suicide. So Uh I kind of understand what he went through coming to that end part. At the same time, I understand what I went through. And the first thing I had to do to start this journey was get myself right, get myself Uh safe for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that was learning how to confront the negative self-talk that I had in my head and teaching myself how to relax, how to be calm, how to take control of me and not relying on the fact and not using the excuse that this is the way I was brought up. This is the way I have to be. I don't have to be who I was. I can be anybody I want to be. It's up to me and conquering that negative self-talk that I always had in my head. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say conquering because I still deal with it all the time. <laughs> but I think we right. all do at some points yeah. in time is deal with that negative self-talk. It's its because we learn the first words we learn are no when we're children. Yes. So we're not naturally born into negative self-talk we're actually taught it and we don't realize it uh, until we go through something like I went through and realize had that realization that this is, you know, a big part of my challenge is to get through that negative self-talk. And so now I want to be the person that has that safe place for everybody else so that they can talk and they can learn how to talk and, so that they realize that they're not alone because we right. all deal with our mental health. You know, some people deal with mental illness. I have my own diagnoses of mental illness. However, the rest of us, you included and my family and anybody else's family, we all deal with mental health challenges on a daily basis. Yes. So why is it so hard for us to talk about it? So that right. that's basically you know where this all came from? <laughs>
0: amazing, amazing, and and, um, and listening to you, the one, and even in reading your bio, that one question: Are you okay? I don't think how many people understand how important that question is because it can it can snap you back to reality really quick. Because in a moment, you realize somebody actually cares or has asked, are you okay? Because I know that was a turning point for me, even in my healing. Yeah. yeah I, I have me.
2: to say, though, that asking people if they're okay has been very passe over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm fine. No worries. You know, I'm, I, I'm just, yeah, I'll, things will be fine. I tell everybody, if you're asking, if you notice that somebody really isn't okay, and you ask them and they say, yeah, I'm fine, and that's gnawing at you on in your gut, don't take yes for an answer. Push that a little bit more and say, you know, I'm seeing a little bit of changes in you and, you know, the way you're reacting to things and you just seem sad. You know, I I really want to make sure you truly are. Okay. I don't want you to just tell me you are for the sake of you are. I that you're not. I'm just tell me
0: that you truly are okay. Right. And I'm glad you went deeper into that because that is true. Like sometimes we just take people's word that they're okay and our and our gut is telling us something's wrong but we just never follow through with it. Um and thank you for emphasizing the importance of going deeper into that because again that's where many we lose many people not going deeper into the conversation that is needed. So What I want to ask you is, say you're working with an individual or you know someone um, and they're going through challenges, help someone who wouldn't know what to look for or, you know, even if they was to ask the question and they got the answer and they thought it was okay, how would you um, help them? begin to see those flags and see the opportunities to actually be there for someone and make sh- and work to save their life potentially.
2: Yeah. So some of the flags are subtle and some of the flags are really in your face, but some of the subtle flags would be you're scheduling time to be with this person. And at the last minute they're canceling. And it's not just once it's twice, three times, four times. Um, they're just always saying, Oh, I'm just not feeling good. I'm going to pass this time. Some of the other things are, I, I was the one who did this a lot. All my sick days used to be taken in January, February, and March, the typical winter because seasonal affective disorder. I get depressed during that time of the year because everything is gray, unless you live here in Florida like I do now. Now, I don't have so many problems with that because unless we're going through severe weather for a couple of days, I'm usually pretty good when it comes to that. Uh, Canceling appointments, doctor's appointments. Canceling a bunch of doctor's appointments because you just don't want to go out. Pulling away from your friends, pulling away from your family. Even being excessively happy and always trying to please people. That was me. I was the people pleaser. I would, I I would be down and my shoulders would be down and my face would be down. And then I would have to go to, I, I, I was a Toastmaster. So I would go to Toastmasters meetings every other week. And I was usually the first one there. And so when I would walk in the door, automatically I went from being down like this to being like this and, Hey, how are you? And Welcoming people and just being that person. And do you need something? Yeah, I can do that. No problem. I overpromised and underdelivered. So these are all signs that people could be having a challenge, and we have to watch out for those signs. It's not just typical staying in bed. I mean, staying in bed all day long and not wanting to get up out of bed, not wanting to socialize. Those are the typical things we think about, um, but. Something like suicide can happen in a split second. Something could be going on in somebody's life. They could be having some challenges at work. Uh, They could be having a fight with a significant other. They could be just high on adrenaline. And in one split second, they could say, I can't take this anymore and do something that all of us later on regret yeah so you've yeah, experienced a, that and that that's what I've experienced with my family member. He, yeah, the most popular kid around. He had the best laugh, the best smile, he he had a beautiful girlfriend, he's got great parents, he's got a, a community that supported him, and he had a bad day, just one bad day. And from that, he's no longer with us and, and we miss him terribly, you know, and, and I try and tell people you're, if, if that's the case, it's only a bad day. It's not a bad life. Right. I'm not going to say this too shall pass because that's a horrible thing to say to somebody, but take a step back, realize it's only a bad day yes. and you can get through this.
0: Yeah. And to echo that you're absolutely correct because I can have like horrid days, and just imagine for someone who just isn't even well equipped. Uh, as someone who works with trauma, you know, patients and clients, they're so accustomed to just not feeling, and that one bad day is the one day that they feel they can't take that feeling and take that emotion, and they're like, "I'm I'm a check out for real if this is what this feels like," and again no one said anything no one paid attention you know sometimes we get that inkling in our gut like something's not right like that that's what we call the spidey sense like little kids call it the spidey yep. sense. It's if something goes off that just doesn't and I think what has happened and you can go deeper into this if I'm you know missing it what's happened is that we have become complacent and we have become we've gone from you know uh a society where everybody hustled and kept to themselves. And so now we're in this middle part where, you know, I call like Gen X, I'm a Gen Xer and we're in between the caring for the parents and then still caring for the children and then trying to, and and identifying that we really have mental health issues, but we've created a microwave society in some aspect that everything is handed to them and, if you get it. And so when someone gets that disappointment of not having what they wanted now, it's just like, you know, it's taking them off the deep end and derail. So we don't we don't pay attention to mental health because we say, oh, it's just someone acting out because they didn't get their way or, oh, they'll they'll be OK one day or whatever. Um, what I want you to um, discuss is when you found it, start the convo. Well, what was, was there any obstacles, any that you had encouraged uh, in doing that? Well, in 2020 is when I, I went, dug
2: into myself to figure out, you know, what I needed to do to fix me. And once I was able to do that, um, believe it or not, I did this the first three months of 2020, and then the world shut down after that. So it gave me a longer time to deal with it. But that was okay for me because it's exactly where I needed to be at the right time. And so in 2021, I'm like, okay, I need to start doing something about this. This is where I want to get out and I want to talk about this. And I want to teach people that it's okay to talk about your mental health because you're not alone. We're all dealing with it in some way, shape or form. So that's when I started start the convo and it's going through a bunch of reiterations on what I really wanted to do. And, you know, I, I did my TEDx talk back in 2021, 2021 all about starting those conversations. And that's kind of where the company started is starting those conversations. And now it's extending into more suicide prevention and specifically suicide prevention in the workplace, because it's, Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of our time in the workplace, and about fifty-seven percent of people are don't want to talk about their challenges. But in the workplace, ninety percent of people don't talk about it. Yeah, because there's such a stigma associated with it. Um, people don't realize, though, that they're protected under the law with talking about their mental health because it falls under the Mm -hmm. Americans with Disabilities Act. So when you have that, if you go and tell your HR department or your boss that, you know, I'm struggling with my mental health, they really can't do a whole lot about it. And most people think that the employee assistance programs that most big companies have, if not all, most of them have hotlines and free therapies that they offer but people are afraid mm. to use them because they're thinking that it's going to go back to their bosses it and does. again have them labeled it, and it's not the case it's 100% mm. confidential and it's yeah. there for you when you need it yeah. so that's that's where i'm at now i'm i'm at working with organizational leaders to try and implement some of these systems in their workplaces, um, like possibly starting support groups at the workplace for people that can meet weekly and people who are struggling can come in and struggle, or having a designated middle manager that somebody can go to if they're struggling, somebody who's right. empathetic and who can you know offer support, when you can't go to your own manager. So little things like that is is where I'm going with this. But at the same time, I'm working with the general public and trying to get the word out there that you know, mental health is for all of us. And right. that's why I wanna start that conversation. Because if we start those conversations and we're comfortable talking about it, naturally those suicide rates will come down because we're not going to think, oh my God, I'm all alone.
0: You're absolutely right. And I want to plug, you know, EAP services, because it was me calling the company I was at at the time, that line. And even though I didn't articulate, I was just having a really, I finally had a break and they referred me to this beautiful life coach. And and don't worry if you feel that you get the wrong person. They're going to shuttle you to where you belong. Because in five minutes, she was like, do you have insurance? Let's call your behavioral services of your insurance company now. Let's get you in to see a therapist now. Like they were going to make sure that you are properly there. So don't feel like those services are there. They don't keep tabs on who's calling what or whatever they, they may, you know, stuff like that. They don't know who they're calling or what they're calling for. And this is someone who's used it. I've used it. It was very successful. It was because of that, that I was able to really get the help that I needed, you know, because I wouldn't have done it otherwise. They did. There was no judgment. It wasn't in the job. It was, it's completely third party. So please, if you have that service and you feel like, You know, I'm just not feeling great today, and I really need to talk to somebody. Definitely pick up the phone. Definitely do so. And
2: and it's funny because
0: I have. Let's think about COVID.
2: Sure. Go ahead. Let's talk about COVID.
0: No, I want you to finish your statement because I think I'm, oh. I'm gonna love what you're about to say because I think I know where you're segueing into. What I
2: was gonna say is I worked in a company that had an employee assistance program and I never used it, but I referred other coworkers <sighs> to it.
0: <laughs> so now, now so you I'm got, you got the best of both. Like you got the best of both. You have someone who's used it and you have someone that might not have used it, but I referred other people. And what that says is that you still, you even had enough confidence in it to be like, I may not do it or whatever, but I know it can help somebody else. So I'm gonna make sure that it's out there. So that was wonderful. But as I was saying about COVID, COVID opened up, many people's eyes about mental health became, I think, really at the forefront because there was a lot of other things. We're talking domestic violence. We're talking, you know, child abuse. A lot of things kind of really took place because people were such in proximity to their trauma. They couldn't go anywhere. You know, work and school was that escape. And I want you to talk to how has that spilled over into what you're, I know it has spilled over into what you're doing, but what have you seen? What are the trends? What um are you, do you feel that you're being a part of working to kind of help rectify? What new stuff may have come out that we didn't know about that was happening?
2: I, I think the biggest thing is, is that people are starting to open up and talk. Insurance companies are starting to take, mental health more seriously and offer mental health services to other people my husband happens to work for a health insurance company Mm -hmm. and I, i am fortunate because i have fantastic health insurance for my mental health and i know many other companies that don't necessarily use the company that my husband works for but use other insurance companies and they're covering mental health more and more often and covering more and more of it because it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to see sometimes. And insurance companies like to see, <laughs> they they want to see progress. Yeah. They want to see where their oh, dollars honest. are going. Um, so I think the big thing is, is that the insurance companies are really starting to see a, more, clearly when it comes to mental health and are offering more Mm -hmm. services to people and encouraging businesses to take coverages to cover that. And, and I think more companies are taking the ability to, and and to take those coverages and supply it to their employees.
0: That's wonderful. And so, how is it you working with leaders right now? Especially as many um, are probably trying to move from remote uh, more so to um, hybrid, or they're really trying to push their um, employees fully back into the office. Um, how has that conversation gone with them? And maybe talking with some of the leaders regarding the potential mental health of some of you know their employees regarding how and how they communicate this transition? I think I know some companies that have told their
2: employees that working in the office does not mean that you can't you doesn't say that you have to work in the office. Working from home is an option and if it helps your mental health or if you have you know an underlying condition they're, they're very receptive to working from home. There's other companies, though, that aren't as receptive and feel like they're getting better, better productivity out of their employees being at work. And, and it's a balance. It's a really sensitive balance between the two because on one hand, you have employees who may be struggling with the stressors of work that are in the office, but then you have employees that, are struggling with the isolation of not being in the office. So finding that balance has been difficult, not only for the employers, but the employees. Um, I have one friend who will not work from home. As a matter of fact, she worked from my house for a month because <laughs> she, the, her company closed their offices for a month and she didn't want to work from home by herself. Mm-hmm. So she came to my house and she worked mm-hmm. from home at my house. Um, I have another person who you know has some underlying problem challenges that she is not comfortable going into the office as often. so she'll go once a week or twice a week. My husband still only goes once or twice a week, but that's okay oh. because the boss, the business leaders say if you need to work from home, you can work from home. Oh. So and I think it's given people the ability also to, Take care of their families better. Uh, I know some people who live in my area who have moved to other parts of the country without losing their jobs. And one of them had moved to another part of the country to take care of an ill parent. Another one moved to another part of the country just because they like the weather better. So so there's so much more flexibility now and and having that flexibility really helps when it comes to your mental health in the workplace and it lowers those stresses. And that's the one thing I would stress to most companies is have that flexibility for your employees to work from home or not work from home or take some flex time if they need it. Because um, yes. not everybody functions well, you know, doing certain things. And and sometimes they need to take some time and step back from what they're doing and mm. just say, okay, well, you know, I'm having a really bad morning. I'm going to call my boss and say, hey, I'm going to come in an hour or two later. I'll work an hour or two later. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you have flexibility like that, I mean, there's not many jobs where you do need to be there nine to five, in my opinion. Right. That's correct. Others might think differently, but I'm speaking (laughs) from my point of view only um, because if I can't work nine to five, Jane can work nine to five and I can work 10 to six and Joe can work 11 to seven.
0: And so there's rotations around everything. Absolutely. Oh, I know I've been seeing some promising, you know, results because I know for me, I am like an introvert. So for me, COVID was a blessing, even though I still had to go in, you know, <laughs> to the office or whatever. I still had to go in. Um, I think it was like two or three times a week, but everyone else didn't. But it was a blessing for me. Like, I don't have to go out. What? <laughs> me against the car became friends. I don't have to go to the grocery store. Fine, but I realized that I have other- I have other friends who struggle with that they need the interaction, and so I was grateful to see the conversation begin to really be had not only amongst you know employers but amongst each other. I think that's what we were missing is maybe having the commonality because COVID allowed everyone to begin to talk amongst themselves and realize like, wait a minute, we kind of messed up over here and we really need some help. Like, you know, is that something you've seen as well? Like they really have started to talk about, I am really not okay. I may not know what to do with it, but I know I'm not okay. Is that a conversation? Is that a pattern you've seen? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've seen it in my own circle. Uh, I, I do have a circle of girlfriends that we get together once a month and it started all because somebody was struggling and we wanted to support her. So we started getting together once a month. And, and as a matter of fact, I was just on a text text spread today with that circle of women and we're getting ready next weekend to get together again because a couple of us are struggling. So it, it's nice to see that people getting together it's nice to see sports come back because now the kids are playing sports my husband is gone every other Sunday to the football game thank goodness I get my my own personal time now (laughs) instead of sharing my time with him (laughs) but that's okay because like I said COVID was good for me it but it wasn't good for everybody there are people who are more extroverted need that companionship and need that interaction. And people who are extroverted, who lost that inter- that interaction, now all of a sudden are really struggling with their yes. mental health and things are starting to get back on pace for them. It's been a slow recovery, but I think with the recovery, it's been a building process as well, because we're recovering from all of the mental health challenges that we had and at the same time talking about them which is building up the rapport and building up the comfort levels of being able to talk about it
0: yes you know and i agree and i know some people are not going to agree but you know i know most of us is like we're never going back into the office i want to say you know to people at least maybe go one day one you know one day during the week if you can and the reason I say that is because I'm an introvert, right? But I have a couple of extroverts that have claimed me. And so I realized as to do my part in the process, because, you know, we don't just introverts. We don't just go claim people. We get claimed as for friends. So I have a few that's claimed yes. me. But then in this process and in, my, in this journey, I've realized that I'm integral to a part of their mental health. It's they, it gives them that need to want to help. So they're helping me trying to get out of my shell and I'm helping them because they have somebody that they've claimed and they've adopted to help with that. And so they're the one that if we go out, they're going to do the talking. You don't have to do nothing. They'll do it for you. They're going to make sure it's great. You know, but you're there to balance mountains. Like, okay, it's time to go. Like we got to We got to go. So we kind of, you know, work hand in hand. So, For your introverts like us, like me, when you have some extroverted friends and you can tell you can tell that they're struggling as much as we don't like to go out, you may have to go out with them. Go ahead out with them and they're going to brighten up because you're not going to really have to talk. I know that from experience. My extroverted friends are going to do it for me. You know, so we have to also it's a community. You know, it's a community. We have to um, take it as a community. You know, effort to all be well in our mental health. We have to do this together. You know, and then we got to show the children because I am I am concerned about children who str- who are struggling with this. Yeah. Now, do you work with some children? Do you you know maybe do some referrals um, for children? Is there um, do you I, is that in your? I, I don't personally work with children right now. If
2: somebody that I know came to me and said, "Hey, my child is struggling. Can you kind of help?" I can help. I, I don't mind doing that. Um, I don't feel that. Other than language, I don't think talking about mental health is right. different from a child to an adult. You just have to explain it a little bit differently. Different. Um, but but yeah, I but I've seen how all of this affects children and it's scary sometimes because more and more kids now are being homeschooled, which is a wonderful thing. Don't don't get me wrong. Homeschooling is a wonderful thing. But homeschooling and finding a way for children to be social is so important. And that was the biggest challenge I think we saw with COVID is that those children lost that ability to be social and being social is what builds us up it builds our
0: character yeah yeah and i and i think i saw with covid too the adults had time to prepare because we we kept hearing about it for the kids it was one minute okay we're just going to be on break for 2 weeks to it went to 2 years you know they went from yeah. oh we're going to see you guys in 2 weeks like it's a regular you know break and then it was two years. And so they, to them, the the loss, I feel it was harder for them. And so yeah. what I would like for you to do for any parents who may have children that, you know, potentially go through, you know, going through some struggles, what, you know, maybe one or two um, pointers you can give them to make sure that they can get them the help that they need without feeling stigmatized. Because it's usually I, the parents. I, I, that are just like
2: yeah i i would say first and believe it or not i would say this to leaders as well uh, and and managers first be open about your own mental health with them it it shouldn't Mm. be kept a secret if if you can turn around to little joey and say hey mommy's struggling too you know at work I have bullies at work maybe that I have to deal with. You might have bullies at school that you have to deal with. I have people that I work with that I might not always get along with. You have friends that you might not always get along with. I'm here to be a safe space for you. Yes, I'm your parent. I get that. And if you don't feel comfortable enough, who would you feel comfortable with? Give them the option. To go to another party, whether it be an aunt, an uncle, of a, a friend of the family, a grandparent either, who would you be comfortable talking with and then go with the child to that person and say, hey, there's some struggles here and they would like to talk to somebody and it might not necessarily be me. Can they use you as a confidant not to come back and tell on them, right. what they were saying, but somebody that they can use as a sounding board, where if something's really bothering them, and they don't want to come to me, they can come to you knowing full well that you will keep their confidence. And, and that's right. important, making sure that a child is confident enough to know that they have somebody that they can talk to, without repercussions, without the stigma associated with it, without going back and telling mommy and daddy, if that's not what you want to hear, you know, if you don't, they don't want to hear it.
0: Wonderful. See, that's wonderful, you know, so that we know that being open and honest with, you know, them and, and I feel transparency is key because if you're transparent with your children, it lets them know that you're human, they're human and that you also care about what's going on with them. That is so wonderful. So as we kind of start winding down, what I want you to do is I want you to tell the lovely people what you got going on. Um, Where can they connect with you? But, you know, I I know there's a book maybe coming into play. I want you to really kind of go into detail with that because I want people to be able to connect and get with you on those lovely things.
2: Well, the first thing I want to say is I have a website that's out there, but it doesn't have a lot of information on it yet, but it's getting there. And that is at starttheconvo.net. And it's right there on your screen. But it's always .net because I'm there to catch you. So just remember, it's .net and .com. And then the next big thing I have coming is I've written a book. And I'm hoping to launch it in October 2023. I'm still working on some finishing touches on it. But When that book launches, I will definitely have it out on the website to show you. It'll be an Amazon book, so you could be able to get it on Amazon. And as soon as it's launched, I will put it out there on my website and let everybody know. Uh, My website also has links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok that I post things to. If you're the type of person who struggles with gratitude on all three of those platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and and TikTok, I have done a gratitude journey, which is a a day by day. And it I think it lasts like three months. It's every other day is a new way to look at gratitude and to start a journal over it. Um, So I would encourage people to go out and check that out, especially if You were like me or are like me when I had my mental health crisis. I could not find gratitude even in waking up in the morning. So it's important to find gratitude. And now I find gratitude daily. And this gratitude journey that I did really helped me. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And I post a lot of stuff for business on LinkedIn. And there's my LinkedIn link right there. And that's. Other than going out and talking to people and tomorrow I'm going to be at a mental health walk for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I'm going to be there tomorrow in Jacksonville, Florida. So if you're listening in Jacksonville, Florida, and you want to stop by and see me, go ahead. I will probably be at a registration desk somewhere helping them out. Uh, but that, that's, that's it. Otherwise, I'll be on somebody else's podcast talking about mental health, you'll always find me talking about mental health.
0: Julie, thank you so much for being with us on this evening. I am so grateful um, of the work that you're doing. I'm definitely going to continue to support. Port, and we're going to definitely continue to have the conversation like yes this is you know suicide prevention and awareness month but there's so many other times we're going to have this conversation because you know what i think we're going to have to kind of have it right after the holidays because i think that's going to be always a big one you know for yep. things like that so we're definitely going to come back and we have this conversation again but i do thank you for being here on this evening to be an open and transparent with your own journey and your own walk and your own purpose. And I thank you so much for that. it was my pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, Hey everyone, thank you again for joining us on this evening. Um, oh my goodness. Like you're going to be able to definitely Listen to it, replay it. I want you to digest it fully, to really get into what we're discussing. Take heed the lessons and the questions and the things we told you to look out for because it is so important that we do those things because at the end of the day, we are our own community. We have to look out for one another. And if someone's not okay, we need to take that initiative and make sure and take those extra steps because those extra steps can mean someone's life. Those extra steps can prevent heartache. Those extra steps can get somebody to help and the nurture and the love that they need to know that they're wanted, loved, and needed on this side. So I'll see you on next Friday, same time, same location, as we are heavily kicking out season four and partying. But again, have a great evening. Enjoy your night. And remember, be blessed and be kind in everything that you do. Thanks for joining us this week on the Moving Past You radio show. Make sure to visit our website at www.movingpastyou.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. If you found value in the show, rate us on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. And be sure to tune in next Friday for our next episode. And remember to always be kind in your word, your thought, and in your deed. Be blessed.